Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Bickley. Sportsman, sports. Vince Morata. It's a power packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Morata. Spectacular. Bickley and Morata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Morata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. All right, let's go, Valley sports fans. Good morning, everybody. As Sarah the Ruthless just told you, happy Thursday, day one of the new era for our basketball team. Do you see Richard Jefferson celebrating on air? Richard Jefferson. <laughs> it's And, you know, I struggled with this yesterday because I think there there are actual victims in, in this Robert Sarver story, of which Robert Sarver is not one of them. Newsflash to him. Even though he thinks... Right, even though he thinks he seems to one. think he is. So there so there's a real there's a real somber kind of feel to this story, but there's also a celebratory feel to this story. That as a basketball franchise, this is a chance to hit reset. It is, and judging from the reaction, the immediate reaction, because that story broke in the nine o'clock hour yesterday on our show about nine thirty, um I was expecting there to be like uh, parades and celebrations <laughs> in the streets. I didn't run across I didn't any. See that? I, but you know, I, did you not see the fan popping champagne? Oh, I did see that. Yeah, I did see that. That, that was, was a one man celebration. It was. Well, uh, listen, I I don't know if I don't know if you spent much time out and about yesterday, but everybody I talked to, they were like just beaming, happy, relieved. Relief is I Relief. Think, uh, the word. Well, there was people waiting more than a decade before these allegations yes, yes, for him to sell the team. Yes, and, and for those who didn't live through the ten years gone, the ten years of darkness, that uh, consider yourself lucky. Decade if, of darkness. If you're a new B Suns fan who do not, who, who have no picture or con- conceptual vision of what those years were like, yes, you but are it, lucky. Even when things you were lucky, even before that, when things were good, people were mad. At Sarver with the trading, you know, draft picks for money and getting rid of players for money and yeah. not resigning Joe Johnson. Like they were mad at him during all points of his tenure. Yeah. No, listen, he, he has been, I can say this very objectively, he has been, for the most part, an, an impediment. And you could say that if he's changed recently. Yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, he's, he's he, he, he hired good coaches and he quit hiring. People who didn't know what they were doing, so he could boss them around. But it, it, it's this is a new beginning for the Phoenix Suns, and the, and and you know the everybody says the line to buy this franchise is going to be around the block. It's going to be a feeding frenzy for a lot of reasons because there's a lot of really rich people who really want the vanity play of owning a franchise. The NBA is going in one direction, and that's up. This basketball team's got a refurbished arena, a new practice facility, yes. an on-site sports book. Yeah, pretty The attractive. WNBA set massive records. That w- I want to ask you about that, sir, before we jump. Oh, we got to jump into the show. We can't keep doing this. We'll get to this. We've I got do, four hours. We yeah, can do whatever I wanna, we want. I want to ask you no. about this because the, <laughs> metrics, the metrics for the WNBA this past season are outrageously good. Yeah. Outrageously yeah, good. Yeah. Get on board, people. Start the show, Jarrett. 
The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, still a buzz. About the news that broke late in our show yesterday, and that news is Robert Sarver, Sarver currently on suspension by the uh, NBA, is beginning the process of selling the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury. Sarver cited the current unforgiving climate that makes it painfully clear that he is no longer possible to come back as managing general partner after a year of what he called atonement and the path to forgiveness. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, uh, have you seen this guy? Uh, he, levied, this guy Jared? he levied the penalties on Sarver after a months-long investigation into the Suns' workplace culture conducted by Wachtell, Lipton, Rosen, and Katz. He issued a very brief statement on Wednesday that just read, quote, I fully support the decision by Robert Sarver to sell the Phoenix Suns and Mercury. This is the right step for the organization and community, end quote. Very, very concise from the commissioner. Yeah. Uh, ESPN's Baxter Holmes, who released a scathing look into the workplace culture of the Suns last November that led to this investigation, reported that yesterday that even though Robert Sarver does not own the Phoenix Suns in full, sources told ESPN that Sarver has the authority as the team's managing partner to sell the team in full. Yeah. Sarver is the biggest shareholder, uh, and I've seen figures from 35 to uh, 40% of ownership is yeah. what Sarver's got. Yeah, right. I think, yeah, I, it's it's in that ballpark. I did not know that, and, and I'll be curious to see what that um, how that plays out. I don't think that's an issue to the minority owners. From what I've been told, they've been wanting to cash out for some time now. Maybe not all of them, mm-hmm. but the original plan was to cash out after 10 years, and now they're and in year eight. 18. And now they're in year 18. Yeah. Uh, ESPN released more of its NBA rank, their annual list of the top 100 players in the league, unveiled numbers 11 through 25. Chris Paul headed into a, his third year with the Suns, number 22 on the list. Devin Booker did not show up on that portion, uh, released Wednesday, meaning he'll be a top 10 selection for the first time in his career, coming off a year where he averaged a career-high wow. 26.8 points per game and finished fourth in the league's MVP voting. That's respect. Yes. Uh, Boston Celtics head coach Ime Adoka facing a significant punishment for violation of organizational rules. Shams Tarania of The Athletic tweeted last night that Udoka had an improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with a female member of the team staff. Some are speculating that his suspension could be for the entire 2022-23 season. Not, nothing official on that yet, but there is a suspension coming. Cardinals were back on the practice field Wednesday, got our first look at the Week 3 injury report. It was still long, but that was because of rest days for veterans. Running back James Conner missed uh, with an ankle injury. Rondale Moore still out with that hamstring. Andy Isabella and Trayvon Mullen were full participants in uh, yesterday's session, so maybe a little bit more health at the wide receiver position and the cornerback spot, although Cliff Kingsbury said, I don't know if Mullen's going to be up to speed just yet. Yeah, you, that would be a little hard to expect him to kind of just roll in and, you know, start covering Allen Robinson. <laughs> a little difficult. Hey, that number 10 guy, that Cooper, he doesn't yeah. look like much of a player. Right, but he you cover look like him. Much. Yeah, just go shadow him. Yeah, Kyler Murray spoke on the incident after Sunday's win in Las Vegas when cameras caught a fan slapping him in the face. Vegas police were investigating it, but Murray said he has, quote, no hard feelings. No, this stuff ha- happens fast, Murray said. I know every person I've hit in the face. I did it for a reason. I don't know if he probably didn't know where he was. I don't know. It was a pretty live game. Vegas is Vegas. I'm sure he was having fun. Yeah, you know, the and if you go back and watch that, and Cam Cox from Channel 12 did a great job of uh, slow mowing that, it, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't look like it was, in t- it looked like the guy was just trying to kind yes. of touch a celebrity. Mm-hmm. 
and face washed. And who them. doesn't want to do that? And face washed them. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Uh, Steelers in Cleveland to take on the Browns Thursday night football this evening. That game gets underway. 5-15. You can catch it on Prime Video. Uh, Madison Bumgarner pitched six strong innings. He allowed just one run on one hit. Corbin Carroll delivered a three-run double in the fourth inning. D-backs beat the Dodgers 6-1 in Los Angeles for their second straight win in the series. For Bumgarner, his first win since July 23rd, snapping a personal streak of six straight losses. To quote Ron Wolfley, I did not see that coming. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I'll, I'll go there, too. To quote Ron Wolfley, I love that. <laughs> For the Dodgers, it's the first time they've lost back-to-back games since early September. That five-game series closes yeah, tonight at Dodger Stadium. That. Zach Gallon on the mound trying to bounce back from a rare loss. Great pitching matchup. He'll be taking on 17-game winner and Cy Young candidate so, Julio Arias. So you're telling me that my my little fantasy of this treat this is the five-game playoff series, the Diamondbacks are one win away from advancing in my head? They already should have, if not for that <laughs> meltdown in the eighth inning the other day. Right, it, should right. be, it should that's be 3-1 right, one right so, now. <laughs> Uh, D-backs also plays rookie Ryan Nelson on the injured list with a scapula injury, one will, that will shut him down for the rest of the year after three promising starts in the big leagues. No movement in either of baseball's home run chases. Uh, St. Louis's Albert Pujols did break up Blake Snell's quest for a no-hitter with a two-out single in the seventh. Padres still beat the Cardinals 1-0, but Pujols still parked at 698 Oof. career home runs. And he's out of steam, Vinny. And Aaron Judge did not homer in the Yankees' 14-2 win over the Pirates. In his last plate appearance in the eighth inning, up 11-2, he was walked on four pitches Bush. by Pirates reliever Eric Stout, who got just rained booze he upon did. him and by the fans in the Bronx. He, he, did, he was just dancing all over the plate. There's 11 to 2. Right. They were cutting in to show his at bats. I happened to see his first two, and he swung at the first pitch on both at bats and scorched both of them. And off the bat, you're like, holy. Mo- oh, no, it didn't. <laughs> but he's in the zone right now. It's deep. It's Where's the ball? I can't see it. Uh, and believe it or not, hockey season is here. The Arizona what? Coyotes have their first on ice work of training camp today at the Ice Den in Scottsdale. Their first preseason game is Saturday in Wichita against the St. Louis Blues. How about that? Wow. At media day yesterday, defenseman Jacob Chikrin, who was injured to start camp, let it be known he'd like to be traded to a contender. Uh, the former All-Stars played seven seasons in Arizona and coming off a career-worst minus 20 plus That's minus mark last Good year. timing to let uh, it be known. No, listen. <laughs> a day before your... If you're an aspiring professional hockey player, do you want to spend the next three years playing in a college arena? Let's be honest. Let's be real here. No. I understand. I understand the logistics of why it has to happen. But but, but the mullet the- wigs, Dan. <laughs> Way, so you, fun. How can you miss out on that? The note I made in my notes for today's show is Jacob Chikrin obviously has no interest in being the next Shane Doan. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I say that and with all listen, respect to Doan. That's what I'm saying. I, and I say that and with all res- due respect to Jacob Chikrin. Yes. They're, they're, they're tanking yes. the next couple of years. I totally get it. But, you know. Not going to hate on him. Newsflash. He was pretty terrible last year. Right <laughs> After a good year two years ago. There you go. There's your splash for Thursday, September 22nd. I got the date right today, guys. We're right. off to a rousing yes, start. We are. It's yes, only we been are. Thursday Stay three hot, different Vinny. times this week. Stay hot. <laughs>
<laughs> Hopefully we don't have any other repeats from yesterday's show for me. Uh, coming up next. Yeah, the Suns are definitely up for sale. <laughs> oh, I pooped my pants. <laughs> I, no, that didn't happen. Come on. It really does happen. You're spreading false information. You're putting words Jerry, in his mouth and you're know, putting poop in his know, pants. You know the woman, the, the, the cleaning people here, how they put the how they block the door and, yeah, you know, oh. and put the flag down and say, I don't commit. Oh. That almost happened to him. He was minutes away. I'm having to get into his car and go home. He almost needed a cone. <laughs> it's cone. <laughs> All right, we're off to a good start today. All right. More on the Sarver sale of the Phoenix Suns next. Pickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Seven FM, Arizona's sports station. Dan Pickley, it's Morata. Pickley and Morata mornings. I know that inside the organization, there was a growing fear that more sponsors would flee. There was certainly concern about what player reaction would be as the season prepares or as it nears, and a little over a month, I want to say, um, and. You know, we saw the comments from the players now. And look, media day for many teams is Sunday and Monday. The the Suns go on Monday. So if you look at all these factors together, it was, I I think, the, 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 the tenor of how things were going. It was certainly going to be difficult for him to hold on. That is ESPN's Baxter Holmes talking about what the Suns were fearing with this possibility after a one-year suspension to Robert Sarver had he come back what they were facing. I think he hits the nail on the head. I think everything would have been from from a business standpoint, yeah. Nick, everything probably would have been calm this year right. and then a flood of of those types of uh, business decisions by sponsors had Robert Sarver come back. But it's something the Phoenix Suns don't have to worry about now. No. As, uh, yesterday, tail end of our show, we got the notification, the statement released by Robert Sarver where he says he's starting the process of selling the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury. And I think we, we, we both said this off the air. We'll say it on the air now. As the day went on and you get more and more reaction and you read the statement again, both of us had that same reaction of yeah. that inclusion of you know mentioning today's unforgiving climate uh, being a reason that makes it impossible for him to come back. It just made us more and more angry as the day went. I had the exact same reaction, and it's. I thought it was very powerful, at least for me, when Baxter Holmes retweeted yesterday morning before any of this broke. Uh, those initial series of statements made by Robert Sarver and those close to Robert Sarver, and there are people who need to answer for that. Uh, going forward. But when you read them in, in hindsight, the, the outrage that Robert Sarver showed at these false allegations and how do I begin to defend something that never happened? And if you go back and you read that and you're like, wow, wow. Yeah, which a- a- right. I, I've got those in front of me. And there was statements that day on October 22nd. That's before the article came out. But that's when it, hey, this is going to happen at some point. Sons responded with their statements. Robert Sarver made a statement. James Jones made a statement. Jason Rowley, the team president, made a statement. The only one where you don't look at it and go, uh-oh, 
is James Jones' statement because it was brief and it all it, all it said was none of what's been, uh, been said describes the Robert Sarver I know, respect and like. It just doesn't. Yeah, that's his experience. Mm-hmm. The other the other two statements were filled with words like lies and conjecture exactly. and allegations. Exactly. And, uh, it, it's it's certainly in in hindsight a, a horrible look. Oh, without a doubt. So so to me, then then that being juxtaposed with the um, I'm a repentant man. And and I, I, I've been robbed of my chance of atonement. And I'm a man of faith. I I'm believe a man in forgiveness. Of yeah. See, you know, then you read bingo that, card. You read that, and and you're just like, okay, this is just, this is just, this is beyond the but pale. The, the fact of the matter is, with what has transpired, Robert Sarver has not been robbed of his chance of atonement. Not There's a lot all. of people that are happy that this happened that are still rooting for that atonement to happen in his life. Right. It'll just be out of the public eye now. Right. And that, and and let, let's see how much that happens. Yeah, let's let's see how much bike riding Larry Fitzgerald does with Robert Sarver going forward. Well, the first step to atonement is one admitting that you were wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. That's step one. Exactly. And two, apologizing to the people that you wronged. Yes. Has he done that? No. No. So so, so to me I think that trying to cast himself as a victim is is Really, an unfortunate end to all this, but it, it it's it, it almost kind of illustrates why this had to happen because clearly he felt bulletproof, metaphorically speaking. So, I, so I think that this was uh, this was something that I think many people have framed as at least at the at the very end of it, Robert Sarver saw what was coming and realized. This is not going to stop. It's going to be wave after wave after wave, and I'm not going to be able to get over the top of this. Mm-hmm. And and so at least at the end, I think he, he made at least the right decision for his basketball team. Because could you imagine <clears> – <throat> Chris Paul's already made his statement. Chris Paul – um, is is a big enough superstar where where he he is he, he's not going to feel pressure to fall in line with anything. But can you just imagine the rest of the Phoenix Suns having to 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 do that dance where you show up on media day and you're feeling internal pressure to defend the your boss? Because I'm quite certain there would be hey come on man you know I'm not that bad come on come. so it, it, there'd be internal pressure. To defend Robert Sarver in the wake of all these questions, and there'd be external pressure to serve the greater purpose expressed by LeBron James and Draymond Green and Chris Paul. It would have put this basketball team in a terrible, terrible spot because nothing they would do would be good enough. True. Why didn't you say more? Why didn't you say more before? Look, this is still going to be a heavy topic of discussion on Monday, uh, Monday's media mm-hmm. day, but uh, I'm sure the collective sigh of relief from from the players <laughs> was was pretty intense. Like, yeah. Oh, thank goodness we don't have to put ourselves we don't have to be put in a uncomfortable situation to say what we really feel uh you know against the pressure of saying the right thing in the current cl- I mean mm-hmm. it, it could have been a real mess. One of uh one of the things that I was told yesterday that that I think is very very interesting is at one point in time Robert Sarver could have went to Adam Silver and did what he did yesterday and said okay look let's just stop this. I will sell the team. You go take that report, go put it in the fireplace. And Adam Silver would have said deal. Yeah. And instead, the report comes out now, and now this is – and so so why would that happen? That would be that would happen because Robert Sarver at that point in time had no intention of doing this. So in effect, it was this external pressure that made this happen. Even when the suspension came out, he essentially released a statement that said, 
Okay, guys, see you in a year. Yeah. Yeah. No, he fully expected that when this went down, he and, and the fact that he was fighting tooth and nail for any kind of punishment. Yeah, I wonder, too, if, if what yesterday's decision was influenced at all by maybe some behind-the-scenes rumblings of, hey, this sponsor, stuff that didn't go public. PayPal was very public in their statement and their stance last week. I wonder if there was more of, hey, this is what it's going to look, this is what our books are going to look like in September of 2023. So, yeah, this would be a distressed asset if mm-hmm. this continued to go the way it was going. Mm-hmm. And it would affect every. It would affect the valuations, and and then then his partners might have cause, because it's it's negatively affecting the business. True. Uh, yeah. So listen. So it, this is to me, this is a chance for the basketball team. Yeah, they're going to have to get through media day. Certainly, it's going to be a topic. But the tone of it all is going to be dramatically different. Yeah, dramatically. A, tone, a tone of relief, probably. Yeah, right. Uh, and there's still a ton of questions on this whole matter. We'll get into those as the show goes on today. Do you know a high school student with great character? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. Just text character to 620-620. Share their story. What's in it for them? A $10,000 scholarship from Parker and Sons and Arizona Sports. Again, just text character to 620-620 to nominate. Coming up next, just when the Cardinals get a little momentum with a win in Week 2, the L.A. Rams come to town. We'll give you the latest with the Cardinals and their preparation next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Yeah, I think until somebody knocks them off, I mean, they're still the champs, and, and it's a marathon, not a sprint. We, we saw that, and it, it's uh, they did a great job, I thought, building last year into the playoffs, playing their best football at the end, and, and I'm sure they'll, they'll do the same thing. So we're all kind of f- trying to figure out who we are as teams right now, but uh, I think they're, they're as good as anybody out there. Cliff Kingsbury yesterday talking about this week's opponent, the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, and whether or not they're still the gold standard in the NFC. They haven't been the gold standard in the NFC through two weeks, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I mean, th- very much like the Arizona Cardinals, I yeah. think the Rams are trying to find themselves, which is more surprising to yeah. me than it is you know, when you consider what the Cardinals are going through. Uh, because the Rams at the end of last season did look very buttoned up, and I think they made some acquisitions to help them mm-hmm. in Allen Robinson and, and uh, Bobby Wagner specifically. But, you know, they were destroyed in week one and nearly blew a 25-point lead in week two to yeah. an inferior team. Yeah, people, who, uh, veteran people who watch the Rams um, are a little bit concerned because without the running game, they're relying on Matthew Stafford too much, and they're out of balance, and they are, they're kind of stalled out a little bit. Um, Sony Michelle, after after all of the running backs they've plowed through, was probably their most functional back. He's not even on the team anymore. Nope. Cam Akers was once really good before he got hurt. His yards per carry is, are abysmal right now. Daryl Henderson is a guy. That's about it. Their rushing game is basically non-existent, so they're just expecting Matthew Stafford to come out and just throw the ball all, all over the yard, and they're not quite getting uh, anything really consistent out of it. In fact, there's people who have pointed that that since Matthew Stafford, the digression of the running game in L.A., this Matthew Stafford Rams team is starting to get imbalanced like his old Lions teams used to be, mm-hmm. where it was just all throw the ball all the time. And they uh, not more than one pe- person has pointed out that Jared Goff statistically is doing much better so far this season than Matthew Stafford yes. happens to be, which I, I think makes the Rams dangerous. And you wonder, too, what, you know, it was a, 
talking point throughout the preseason, Bick, is the, the condition of the elbow of Matthew Stafford. Is it really an issue? They've been turnover prone. They've committed six turnovers, and you're right on their running game. Daryl Henderson's been decent on 23 carries. Cam Akers on 18 carries, 2.4 yards a pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I do want to see uh, on Sunday is I want to see somebody, preferably Buda Baker, put Cam Akers about three feet into the dirt on, on Sunday after that little that little uh, maneuver he pulled in the playoff game. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. When, when Buda went down I remember, and he stood yeah. over him. Yeah, no, that was not cool. Yeah. Hopefully uh, they got a long memory on that front. Yeah, okay. Well, listen, and, and and I do think that there is the defense does have some momentum based off that second half performance against the Raiders, no matter no matter how much the Raiders contributed to that with their own kind of laissez faire approach to playing offense in the second half. Um, they do have a little bit of momentum and, and I'm very curious to see how Byron Murphy Jr. does if if he if he's assigned exclusively to Cooper Cup, that's gonna be an interesting assignment. Um and we'll see if he can do it successive weeks in a row. I'm, I'm interested in a lot of this stuff. And, you know, if, if the Rams have truly become a one-dimensional team, then I think that's in the Cardinals' defense favor. Yeah, uh, you know, that defense looking for something to make things easier, and that might be it. We'll, we'll see. Now, <laughs> that one dimension can still be pretty mm-hmm. uh, pretty tough to stop. Uh, some other things from uh, the Wednesday media session. Cliff Kingsbury talked about the availability of Trayvon Mullen, the Cardinals went out and traded for him before the season started. He's been injured, hasn't been able to participate. Here was the Mullen update from Cliff. He's, he's getting closer, uh, at least physically. You know, mentally, he's got to get in our system, learn the calls, and, and feel comfortable doing that, particularly against a Rams offense who is so talented. And Sean does a great job moving people around, finding matchups, tempo, and different, doing different things. Uh, so we'll see how the week progresses, and, and hopefully, um, you know, if it's not this week, hopefully next week he can contribute. Yeah, if it's not this week, week um I, I i'm not sure that's a huge deal how, how much can you expect from trayvon mullen at this point you can't now a bigger name on the injury report uh james connor uh it was reported uh after that game hey it doesn't look serious he didn't practice yesterday with that ankle injury here was cliff on james connor he, he's doing okay same deal day to day we'll try to get him doing something tomorrow and see how it how it goes um, I fully expect, I mean, just knowing the makeup of James Conner and how tough he is and uh, how physical he is, that if he's you know close to being able to go, he's going to go. On the other hand, wouldn't you feel pretty comfortable if he didn't play with Eno and Daryl Williams? Yes, absolutely. That's exactly where I was going, Jarrett. Um, w- when Conner left that game, and Cliff Kingsbury does deserve credit, a lot of times when you've got a 20-point second-half deficit, you know they'll ditch they'll ditch the plan they'll ditch the game plan and they'll go completely pass happy they didn't do that mm. they still featured the run and those guys both were very effective Daryl Williams especially I was I was impressed with what I saw from yeah, him yeah you know that was uh, that was something that was pointed out to us on Monday and, and I hadn't really thought about it in the ter- in the terms of it being a positive but they did stay patient running the ball that that mm-hmm. did that did indeed occur and that's that's a good maturity um to, I, I, generally I I. It, that's a good approach to have in football, in my opinion. It keeps you from abandoning game plans. Yeah. Prematurely. And we've seen it time and time again. Not what just with the Cardinals. Teams do it all the time. They fall behind, and all of a sudden, yeah, that plan gets ripped up into a million pieces, uh, and you're, you're operating out of desperation. The Cardinals, I mean... That's one thing about that win over the Raiders. Despite that, that deficit, you're, you're down 16 in the fourth quarter. They never looked desperate, which is very strange. 
I mean, it, yeah. it, it got desperate yeah. when, when time became a factor. They go on an 18-play yeah. yeah. drive uh, and score, and you need the two-point conversion. So there was desperation built in. They just never looked desperate. I find that very strange. I, I, for one, am someone who has never not looked desperate. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, when you play the Rams, too, you got to worry about number 99, Aaron Donald, that wrecking ball in the middle of the defensive line. Cliff Kingsbury shared his thoughts on that. Yeah, he. I mean, Donald, nobody has a plan for that. Um, but I like the group we have. Uh, I, those guys, Rodney and Pew and DJ on that left side, really communicate well and, and um, play with a calm when they're out there together. And, and Beach and, and Rodney have really helped Will, him being right in the middle to communicate and help him play and not think so much, being new in our system. So we'll, we'll do our best uh, on Donald just like everybody else, but but he's kind of an unstoppable force, and you, you got to make sure he doesn't just completely wreck the game. And there has been times recently where the Cardinals yeah. have had success in neutralizing Aaron Donald. If you look at his numbers through two games, eh, not very Aaron Donald-like, only four tackles, one tackle for a loss. He's got one sack, two quarterback hits, but throw that out the window. When he gets motivated or angry, oh. <laughs> see what he can do. No, that listen, when, yeah, when he gets a lather going, when he mm-hmm. when, when he comes in with a little edge and a little anger, yeah, that's that you want to stay away from that Aaron Donald. I wouldn't if I were a member of the Cardinals offensive lineman, I wouldn't say a word, I wouldn't look at him funny, just do your job. Right? Seriously. That that's what you got to do with this guy. You do not want to poke that bear. That's I think we have seen that. That has been proven. Um but I also the thing that worries me about the Rams defense Defense is you've got um, a lot of marquee players mm-hmm. on that defense. You've got Jalen Ramsey, you've got Bobby Wagner, you got Aaron Donald. This rookie cornerback they have, they call him the Land Shark. He's been really good. Land Shark. Land Shark. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I I fear that this defense is going to go. You know what? The, what we, what happened to us last week? That that ain't it. We have got to change that. So. I can see this game going in a lot of different directions. This is going to be a fascinating clash between these two teams at a very interesting stage of the season. I mean, after all that's gone down in the NFC West through two weeks, through the catastrophic injury to Trey Lance, to the Seahawks stunning Russell Wilson in week one, Mm -hmm. to all of this stuff, everybody is one and one. Yeah, and I mean, (laughs) to have that scenario going into week three... Uh, and like I pointed out earlier in the week, it's an opportunity for the Cardinals to accomplish two things in one, and that is reestablish establish yourself against the Rams and finally win a home game. I mean, there's a lot of listless members of the Red Sea right now that, that want to see it. It's been a long time since they've seen a win in that stadium. Uh, that would be a, a double bonus if they could pull that off. More on the uh, Cardinals-Rams yeah. matchup as the show goes on, and of course, tomorrow on Football Friday. Uh, but coming up next... We stick on football, go around the league with some NFL hash marks, including an attempt at a clarification. That and more next. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. So I was mad after the game, and I mean, I'd, I'd like to address this now to get everything cleared up, but, you know, there was a thing that I said on Sunday after the game where I said, you know, um, the fans don't put in work, and when I was, you know, first off, um, you know, I was frustrated after the game, so, you know, number one, I didn't want to come and talk to you guys. Um, I wasn't in the mood to come and talk to you guys, so, um, you know, I should have did a better job explaining what I meant by that, but um, what I meant by that was I'm talking about work, you know, regarding uh, the 
game on Sunday, winning the game. You know, I don't know any fans. I don't know what they're doing in their personal lives. Um, and I respect every fan that we have. I'm, you know, glad that we have fans. So, um, you know, I would never disrespect, you know, anybody on what they do or what they love to do. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, it came off like that. And, of course, you know, some social media outlets, they, you know, quoted my quote and, you know, they got a big buzz on it. So, uh, of course, they did a great job doing that. And, of course, social media is going to do that. Yeah, social media is full. Justin Fields. Yeah, man. That was an attempt Boy, at a clarification. He, yeah, he might have made was, it worse. Yeah, come on, man. Can you believe somebody repeated what I said into a microphone? Right. In front of people? When I said I, the fans don't put in work, it hurts more for us than it does for... It's just a, a foolish take. Oh, I'm glad we have fans. You have less than you had when, when before you made that statement. Yeah, I, I think if you're Justin Fields, you come out and you say, listen, what I meant to say was we're the ones doing the physical work. We understand that fans work all day, every day, all week to afford to afford to come see us play, to make money to spend on our game. So we, yeah, it's different levels of work, but it's all the same, and we're just one love, bro. <laughs> you should have done, done the old move. I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for the fans, right. we wouldn't we wouldn't have this opportunity and this chance. Right. I, I all he had to say was also like I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, right. I was, That's right. Right. I, I miss uh, that was dumb. Like he started off yeah. okay about like you know I I was frustrated. I was in a bad mood. He didn't need to go with the whole like I didn't even want to come out here. I didn't even want to talk to you guys. Right. He should have said like I was emotional after the game and I misspoke. Which yeah. I understand him saying that because I don't think anybody uh, really likes talking to the media after a loss. It's just part of the job. But. What was your excuse yesterday? Were you still mad? Right. The Mark Dalton of the Bears was like, oh, yeah. right, right, right. It is a weird part of the job, though. It's the only job where you have to go speak to millions of people after you have your, you know, a terrible day. Yeah, your best. Well, that's why they, that's why God time. invented the cool down period, Jared. Just so you know. <laughs> The ten minutes that that separate the, the media, minutes. Yeah, that, yeah, which often stretches to around yes. thirty five. It depends if it's a real bad, it's a real bad game. That. Those doors are not opening in ten minutes. Yeah, on the seventh day, Jarrett. and you can understand <laughs> that because well, that was the the cool down period was the seventh day. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the, That's the right. Well, there you go. The um the. That would have been the easy thing to do. I, I, I think they really, but that's typical bears for you. They aired in relaying to him how to handle this. That's what they did. That, yes. That's that's a fail on the Bears organization because he was just swimming. He was throwing everything out there. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Social media, you know, that's it. of course they ran with it. But of course they did a great job because that's what social media does because they, they're trying to trap us. And, and the fans work. And the fans but, work. But, but, but they don't but, work uh, the same. You know, they, I don't know. I know how they work. Yeah, I don't know if they work or they don't work. I've never met a fan. I Lee Ilya and say, these people don't have jobs. That one's still reverberating in Chicago, like 45 years later. Yeah. What are these people all doing here in day games? They're clearly miscreants who don't work for a living. <laughs> there you go. That's the way to embrace your fan base. The weird part about this for as you know as bad as the Bears have been offensively, we talked about the notes. They've you know had eight completed passes or less in two straight games. They're playing uh you know 70s type football. Uh they have a chance to be 2 and 1 after Sunday. They're hosting the Houston Texans at yeah, Soldier Field. That's true. Which again, you know, the Texans haven't shown much of a propensity to, to, to score a lot of points either. 
you can expect another low-scoring defensive struggle, but the Bears have a chance to be two and one, and I think they there's, think out loud. There's this great, there's this great existential question hovering over the Bears right now, and I know because I've obviously got friends who still live there. Um, this idea of the Bears moving into a dome stadium has become this existential question: that who, as as a people, what what do we represent? Are we the city of big shoulders? Give us the elements. We're we don't want any freaking dome or Heck yeah, I want a dome. I don't want to sit outside in January. Well, Dan, you're famous for, for saying baseball is so much better in open air. Without and that, that's how it's meant to be played. Without and that, a doubt. How do you feel about football in a dome? I think it's uh, I think it's a disgrace. I think it's an abomination. I think in some places it probably has to happen. But I think, no, I think elements are supposed to. The way I love football, I love I love football when it's that gladiator mentality. It's the it's the battle between the ears of, of being so tough that you can conquer anything. That's what speaks to me. And so the idea of playing football indoors is counterintuitive to what I to, to the deepest feelings I get from the sport. See, what's your feeling about it? Playing in thirty degrees, again, not in a hundred degrees, well, like here. Right, no, but again, it's it's. It, but people could very rightfully go, yeah, but you are not buying tickets and sitting there. And I get it. I could sit here and go, it is asinine for the Bears and the Lions to play indoors and the Vikings to play indoors. It's asinine. But I'm not sitting there. It's asinine to live in a city with weather that cold in the winter. <laughs> there, there is that. See, is we've had this discussion on That's elements in football right. forever. And I remember when we went to cover the Super Bowl in New Jersey that year. The weather was the biggest story of the week. Oh, it's going to be a disaster weather-wise. They got a break. And you were like, cool. I love I love weather football games. I hate weather football games. And for somebody who lived through the Chicago Bears quarterback experience as long as you did, I know that's one of the reasons why they've never had a quarterback worth anything is because nobody wants to play I there. Know. Hmm. And, and the people say, but think of all those historical moments that mean so much to the franchise. And what where would we be without it? Without the Fog Bowl? Without that game that was played when it was three degrees without the snow that came down at the end of the 85 NFC championship game. And all that's very true to me. Yeah. But guess what? The Bears have won Super Bowl championship and they won <laughs> they it in a dome, so damn bad. it. They <laughs> suck so bad. Do you think the Bears would be giving up a home field advantage by moving into a dome because they're equipped to play in that yeah, kind look of at weather? How many games weather? They win. Yeah, they're not any and good not at home. The other teams are. Well, that's true. In theory... It's like, could could the Cardinals, did you ever wonder like if the Cardinals, I guess now the Raiders would be in the same boat, that they could have the, the opposite home field advantage? Like they practice in the heat all the time so they could actually play a game in 100 degrees and have that advantage? Yeah, you know what, there's, there's something to be said for that, yeah. See, but then, that didn't really work in Sun Devil Stadium though, so I guess... I, I actually give credit to teams like the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. Back when football was in its infancy and you had teams like Green Bay and Chicago, they didn't have the technology or the wherewithal to build a dome to make it more suitable to play in. So those cities embraced that. I mean, Lambeau Field with a dome would be a little bit weird. Yeah, But See, they've that- also had tremendous quarterback play in those elements. The Bears never have. Yeah. Even Lambeau Field, though, they, they changed it their field so the, the snow melts now. Mm-hmm. It's not the frozen tundra anymore. Mm-hmm. So they've done the something. Tundra. It's, it's still outside, tundra. But, yeah. it, but they did do something. Yeah, listen, uh, this is obviously something that is, it's one of my pet peeves. The fact that the Los Angeles Rams play in a dome stadium 
a covered stadium is mind blowing to me. It's I I think that's an abomination. Yeah, in now, that weather. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it, that's that's an offense to God. <laughs> and the great irony with that, I was actually at SoFi on state uh, on Sunday for a work thing. Because of all of the different glass panes, the sun cooks you. Oh, it yeah. still comes through. Yeah. So you would actually be cooler if you had the open air and the breeze. Yeah. I think that stadium was made purely for aesthetics and not for what? functional. Not like L.A.? Right. Shallow? <laughs> Shallow? No. What? Yeah, all those LED screens. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful place on the inside, but yeah. it's like, it come is. on. But pe- people don't know You're this. You're in Southern California. That, that stadium built out of 95% plastic. <laughs> no, the fans are thinking. 90- oh. Yeah, the fans are 95% plastic. That's what they are. That's all a theme. Whatever makes you feel confident, SoFi. Come it up. Yeah, next. and you know what? In the Ram Stadium, it's also the site. I don't know if you experienced this. It's what it's the site of one of the biggest scams ever. Because if you try to get an Uber, nobody will come and pick you up. But there's 150 Uber drivers on the cab on the curb outside the stadium who are charging money off rate. You got to pay them 100 bucks cash to go two miles. Oof. Anybody who's been there wow. for a football game knows this. The taxi drivers are tipping their cap to that. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Touche. Yeah. You got Coming up. So a little heads up if you ever go to SoFi. More on Dan Bickley's scathing expose on the parking (laughs) situation. No, we're gonna have more on the uh, sale of the Phoenix Suns by Robert Sarver. Still tons of questions out there that need to be answered. And we'll get into some of them next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 987 FM, Arizona Sports Station.